Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. I'm a Clipper supporter. I'm a Kawhi Leonard fan. And I think anyone that has supported the Clippers or Kawhi Leonard will tell you that it's been a very, 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 very uh, frustrating experience. I was amongst the people that when the Clippers acquired Kawhi Leonard that summer, when and in addition to getting Paul George, I was one of the people that actually felt that they were going to win the championship the very next season. I wasn't the only one. <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot of people felt that way, but I was certainly amongst the people that felt that because I felt like they had the team. I felt that it was going to be a Western Conference final showdown between themselves and the Lakers. Uh, a lot of people felt like Anthony Davis would be the de the deciding factor, and I, I felt that the physical play of some of the guys that they had at the time would bother Anthony Davis, but of course, we all know what happened. The Clippers go up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets that just won the championship, although it wasn't the exact nucleus <clears throat> of that Denver Nuggets team. Uh, they go up 3-1, and then they blow a 3-1 lead. We all know that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George had a horrendous Game 7. Uh, Doc Rivers refused to make any coaching adjustments all throughout that series, something now that a lot of people have kind of caught on to, which is Doc Rivers doesn't make any adjustments uh, in the playoffs. So they lost that series. And from that point forward, it's been one thing or another. Uh, one year, Kawhi Leonard gets injured. The very next year, I believe in the playoffs, <clears throat> In game, uh, game four against the Utah Jazz, we're playing really well. Kawhi goes down. Clippers make it to the Western Conference Finals and lose to the Phoenix Suns in six games. Then Kawhi Leonard misses the entire next season because of an injury he sustained in that in that, in that game against, I believe, uh, Joe Ingles. He misses the entire season. The, that same year, Paul George missed about half of the games that year. The Clippers somehow found a way to make it into the playoffs and got knocked out in the in the um, the play-in tournament. And then you, you and then you fast forward to last year. Last year, that's when all of us felt okay. Well, at least some of us that felt the team was going to do well, uh, we felt that okay, this Clipper team they're going to be ready for this year. You know, um, Kawhi Leonard and these guys are going to have a good season. Kawhi Leonard is fully healthy. Uh, what is it? Um, you know, he's going to be able to play all of these different things. We were all excited. Uh, and then what happened? Season season commences. Kawhi Leonard immediately starts to miss games. Uh, left and right, left and right. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know, it's a smart thing to do. Low management is the way to go, is the way of the future. Even some Clipper fans were supporting us. And I said numerous times throughout that season that I said, what the Clippers are doing, it better work. It better work because if they're doing this to protect their stars, we understand that they have an injury history. But if ultimately... <clears throat> They're doing this to protect their stars and, you know, it's to ensure that they're ready for the playoffs. They better be ready. And then what happens about a month before the season starts, Paul George suffers some type of freak injury. And then Kawhi Leonard in the first game of the playoffs, the very first game, he gets injured and we don't see him again. And and it just created an immense level of frustration within me, a lot of supporters, and including the head coach, Ty Lue, who's one I want, who I want to get to. Because yesterday, uh, what is it, an interview was dropped from the All The Smoke podcast featuring Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. 
And during this particular clip that I saw, they were discussing the disappointment that the Clippers faced last season. And they were talking about the, the, the their obsession with load management and basically how Ty Lu basically went to his Clipper guys and said, hey, listen, we got to take this thing seriously moving forward. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Ty Lu had to say here uh, to Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. And then we're going to come back and react to his comments. Take a listen to that. All three of your season with the Clippers ended with ended with one or both of Kawhi Paul, one of them out. How has it been dealing with that? You know, it's been tough. You know, it's been frustrating. You know, especially as a coach, I think as our as fans, as the Clipper fans, as an organization, because you know we feel like we have the potential to win a championship. We have all the pieces, all the right pieces, and we have two great stars like PJ and Kawhi, are two of the the best stars I've ever been around. As far both as ways, yeah, both ways, two way players, but not a headache. Like right. you can go to them, like they're not looking for media, they're not looking for attention. Like mm-hmm. you can go to those guys and ask them to do anything and they'll do it. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, everybody here the low management and they kind of give those guys a hard time. But at the end of the day, like you think they don't want to play in the playoffs. Like those right. these are real significant injuries, you know, and so um, you know, you try to manage guys to get to that point. When we get to the playoffs, we can finish the season. And it just, you know, just hasn't been that way. And so it's not a thing where they're sitting out a low management in the playoffs. Like that's that's the dumbest shit I heard, you know. But this is what people don't understand. It's not Kawhi and Paul making these decisions. Right. It's the 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 uh the staff, the, yeah, uh, the training medical staff. staff. Yeah. yeah, the medical staff. And, and it's smart because when you go through the injuries they've been through over the course of their career, we gotta do the right thing to try to be healthy going into the playoffs. It's your investment. It's, yeah, it's our investment, you know. And so you gotta be smart about it, you know. But one thing I do, you know, one thing I told Kawhi and PG this summer, like we do got to approach the regular season in a different way. Like we got to be, you know, approach the regular season. Like let's be serious about it. Let's not mm-hmm. wait to the playoffs or matter. yeah, because it matters. It's like who you get mm-hmm. matched up with, have a home court mm-hmm. advantage, yeah. not fighting the last ten games of the season, so we won't be in the play in. Yeah. You know, so now you can get rest. Yeah. You know, now mm-hmm. you can now you can get yourself together mm-hmm. and be ready for the playoffs. And so they both understood that as well. And I know that's got to be frustrating for you because. Why we'll sit out, then he'll come in the playoffs and average 35 and lock up. And you're like, okay. Yeah, back. yeah. And then he has to sit because the knee starts acting up. So I just know as a competitor and you and a fan of the game, that's hard to see as a head coach. Yeah, it's tough because, like, if it wasn't good enough, then you're like, oh, you know, it is what it is. You'll but take it. I think we're good enough. Nah, you know, I sure. think we're good enough. And so um, with the coaching staff that I have in place, with our players, like you said, the role players, the organization's done a great job of putting this together. And, like, I just want to see it just yeah. one time. <laughs> just yeah, let me through. see it one time. It and then we can go from there, and then you can kind of evaluate where we're at. Yep. So you heard what Ty Lue had to say, right? You heard what he had to say. Basically, he's saying that they should put an emphasis on the regular season. Now, here's the thing. If you guys are paying close attention to what Steven Jackson said, he said that some people don't realize that it's also the coaching staff these guys are the ones that are pushing for this to happen. And he's 100% correct. The Clippers coaching staff, they have one of the most conservative coaching staffs in the entire NBA. And I think a lot of times they get in, they get in their own way. This is something that one of their star players in Paul George has publicly lamented on his show. He has actually spoken about how he feels that their constant load management, this stop and go system that they've implemented for their team is actually leading to more injuries and it's making some of their players weaker. This is what Paul George said on his show. This is a player that actually practices load management, right? So to me, listen, Ty Lue can go up to Kawhi Leonard and say, hey, we need to take the season more much more seriously. And I think that's the right thing to say. Um, however, I think it's a cultural issue that the Clippers need to address. Even Lawrence Frank, 
the president of basketball operations said this at the end of the season with their closeout interviews, exit interviews, where he said we need to put an emphasis on the season. Well, who's the one that de-emphasized this? It was wasn't it you guys? You guys thought you were being so smart by not playing these guys and resting them, and then what ended up happening? Like Ty Lue said, you end up missing all of these games, you mess up your record, and then you find yourself in a dogfight at the end of the season where you're now playing these guys high minutes because their body is not used to it. In this case, we're talking about a Kawhi. His body breaks down in the first game of the playoffs, and you look at yourself and you're like, okay, what did we accomplish? And my answer is absolutely nothing. So the Clippers have this uh, proclivity of shooting themselves in the foot by trying to be too smart. You got to play these games. You got to build reps. You got to build some continuity. Nothing will happen if these guys play more games. And obviously, we can now see that load management actually, in fact, does not prevent any injuries from happening. Because you may say it's a preventative measure, but you put it in place and players still get injuries. So what exactly did you accomplish at the end of the day? I'm not a fan of it, especially with the way that the Clippers deploy it. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. And we're going to be talking about the, the Clippers. Why, why are we talking about the Clippers? Because the Clippers are a team that frustrates me. But in this case, um, we just actually produced a show about some comments that Tyloo made. But in this case, uh, I, w- I want to talk about some other aspects of the Clippers. As you guys know, the Clippers have been one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA. The biggest tease in the NBA. Why? Because the Clippers on paper are arguably the deepest team in the NBA. They have the best compilation, I think, of guards and forwards in the entire league. They have a great coach in Ty Lue, who's a championship coach. They have an owner that is passionate about basketball and willing to go at any length to, to ensure that he has a competitive product out there. And in this case, we're talking about the money that he's willing to spend on a basketball team in terms of their payroll. So he's w- really willing to put his money where his mouth is. That's Steve Ballmer for you, right? So the Clippers have all of these things going for them. They're playing in Los Angeles, a very nice play, all, all of these different things. And somehow, some way. The Clippers always find find a way to get themselves into trouble. So what happened last season? Last season, <clears throat> the Clippers are able to get, uh, uh, what is it, um, Russell Westbrook. They were able to get Russell Westbrook off the hands of the Lakers who had traded him to the Utah Jazz, and ultimately they picked him up. At the time that they picked up Russell Westbrook, uh, it was a very controversial move. Why? Because the media had made it their mission to publicly destroy the image of Russell Westbrook, which I believe to this day actually cost him some dollars. What Russell Westbrook passed in LA with the Lakers absolutely had an effect on his earning potential. And you can thank Shannon Sharp for that. You can thank Skip Bayless for that. You can thank Dave McMenamin of, of, of ESPN and all the other people that piled on all season long. It was Dave McMenamin that released that report that people within the Lakers organization view Russell Westbrook as a vampire. Just imagine the language that these people were using, right? Every single day, it was a constant barrage of attacks towards Russell Westbrook every single day to the point where a lot of people who were not even Russell Westbrook supporters started to come to his defense and say, wait a minute, this is disgusting what's going on. Like, what, what, what's the problem? What, what are we doing right now? Why are you guys so transfixed on this particular issue? So what happens? Russell Westbrook finds his way to the Los Angeles Clippers. He gets there. And then all of a sudden, 
the Clippers and the Clippers players embrace him with open arms. And at the time, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why would any human being openly embrace a vampire? Why would you do that? Unless you got a pocket full of garlic or something, how, why would you do that? I thought this guy was some type of locker room cancer. But then the Clippers, they end up acquiring Russell Westbrook. And a lot, and then all of the reports that came out subsequently was that this guy was a fantastic teammate. And as a matter of fact, I actually just heard an interview with Austin Reeves, who just signed a contract with the Lakers, who was a teammate of Russell Westbrook and said he was one of the best teammates he's ever had. Which makes one ask the question, what was really going on here? I personally think it was a smear campaign. So what happened? This morning I was uh, coming through the internet and I came across a clip from the All of Smoke podcast and Ty Lue was the latest guest. He was talking about low management, the Clippers disappointing season, etc. But then Steven Jackson brought up Russell Westbrook and his admiration for how Russell Westbrook approaches the game. And then they asked him, and Matt Barnes and, and Steven Jackson, what has it been like to have Russell Westbrook on your roster as an head coach? So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Ty Lue had to say here about his experience with Russell Westbrook, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that. I'm one. I'm a guy who I know him, but he don't know him like that. But I'll die for Russ. I'm, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm, I'm jumping like front that. of a train. Yeah, for yeah. some reason, dog. I just you know what I'm saying the way he played the game, the way he approached it every night, like. I just, you know what I'm saying? He's somebody that I wish I could have been his teammate. Tell me your opinion of Russ and how you feel about Russ. I love Russ. I know you From do. day one. From day one. You know, and when you get a guy like that that plays hard every single night and gives you everything every single night, and he plays every, every night. Every single night. <laughs> and he plays the same <laughs> way every single So, like, teams that acquire him or teams that, like, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's a tough dude, tough-minded, you know, and – I mean, what he did for our season, him and Plumlee and Bones yeah. and Eric Gordon. But what Russ and those guys did coming in for the last 20 games of the season, um, he saved us. Yeah. You know, PG goes down and he went to another level, you know. And so um, I love him. You know what I'm saying? We got a great relationship. I can be real with him. He can be real with me. Yeah. And um, all he wants is the truth. Like, if you tell him the truth and say, Russ, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to use you. It could be this or that. He's good he with it. it. Yeah, he respects it. You know, and so – um, sometimes you gotta save him from himself because he gets, you know, he gets fired up. Oh, you gets, know, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but so what? Do you? You know, yeah. if you're doing too much, I'll let you know. But be who you are. And I got it's my job as a coach to try to make you fit into this this puzzle. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as our team. But do be who you are, and then give me five, ten games, and then I can put you in place to be successful. And he was great, man. I loved. I think you and Darvin Ham extended his career from a standpoint of. I feel like, and, and Jack talked about this earlier in the interview, player coaches who've been there and done that. And I think that he was more susceptible. I think it started with Darvin. It might have took a little while to accept the role with the Lakers, and he accepted it and flourished. And then, like you said, when he came over, you explained what he needed, and he accepted the role and flourished. And there's, to me, there's a knock on who people think he is, right. not who he necessarily is. But I really think you guys have mentally helped him grab another five years in this game. Yeah, for sure. And – the athleticism was still there, the IQ, the passing. Like, I mean, he was great, man. Like I said, and when he when we um, found out we only had like 3.8 to pay him, whatever, I'm like, man, there's no way we're going to get him back. Like, you know, but he's like, I want to win. I want to be in the city I'm from. I want to win. Clippers never won before, and I love what we're doing here. And so he came back. And so, you know, a guy like that could have went out and got 15 yeah. minutes somewhere else, you know, yeah. come back for the 3.8. Uh, it just tells you who he is and he wants to win. So I really appreciated that. You rather a guy have that motor 
and pull him back a Hell little yeah. bit. You have to put the motor in him because he don't have it you at all. You can't do that. You know what I'm saying? You can't put the motor in That's why I respect him so much. Yeah, no. Every every day. Practice. Not not just games. Practice. Like, every day. He go, he's going hard every single day. Like, I mean, I don't know where he gets the energy from. 15 years in the league, but every day, Jack, no lie. Practice every day. And that's what kind of helped us get over the hump, too, because yeah. when he got there, we had, like, six good practices where we can actually go hard and, like, kind of teach the new guys what we were doing. But but actually, you know, learning some good habits going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And man, those six practices, this he was a monster. <laughs> a monster. You know, and so he allowed us to do that every single not no, no, come on, PG. Come on, let's, go. let's, let's go. You know, and that made it easier on me. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it was great, man. So you heard what Ty Lu had to say. Does that sound like somebody that's being paid millions of dollars to go up there and say nice things about him? No, help me understand. Who paid Ty Lu all this money? To say those nice things about Russell Westbrook. Here are the fact here, here are the facts. The fact of the matter is this. A lot of these people in the media made it their business to scapegoat Russell Westbrook for all of the issues that the Lakers had. There's no way you can tell me that Russell Westbrook was the sole reason the Lakers were underperforming for the last two year, uh, uh, year and a half. You can't tell me that unless I don't know what to call you as an NBA fan. Was Russell Westbrook a bad fit on the Lakers? 100%. Did they have some other roster issues that they need to solve 100%? Otherwise, they would have just gotten rid of Russell Westbrook and called it a day. But Rob Palenka did some other things, didn't he? He got Vanderbilt and all of these other guys to bolster that roster. And you saw how those guys were able to contribute to the team's team's success. But the way that they tried to demonize him is the issue. And to hear all of these people that have now had experiences with Russell Westbrook since saying all of these nice things, and then to have a current Laker in Austin Reeves talk about how good of a teammate he was, it lets me know that it was a smear campaign. It was a smear campaign, and Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp were at the forefront of it all. We're at the forefront of it all. I think Skip Bayless did it for personal reasons. Shannon Sharp did it because he needed somebody to blame for the Lakers' issues that wasn't going to be LeBron James. And then you saw how that quickly shifted to Anthony Davis when Russell Westbrook left. They always got to have a scapegoat in L.A. And then you had other people in media that were pushing for like the Dave McMenamins of the world who were calling him a vampire. It got so bad that his wife had to come out and say, okay, listen, guys, enough is enough. So I find it to be very, very... Uh, 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 revealing that a head coach of an NBA team who's not being paid to say nice things about Russell West, I mean, why would he need to feel that way? That was up there saying that Russell Westbrook was a great teammate, a great locker room guy. He was the guy that was pushing guys on the team. So what happened? Where did he all of a sudden develop these soft skills and this emotional intelligence? What happened? How did he learn? He learned it in Utah when he was traded to Utah. I mean, help me understand. So to me, I'm very happy that this message is out there and I'm going to continue to push it because I think Russell Westbrook got a raw deal and a lot of this trash that these guys are doing about him cost this guy millions of dollars. They It absolutely did. You would have to be a buffoon to think that Russell Westbrook got to the Lakers and all of a sudden forgot how to play. But you would got to be some type of profound fool to believe that. It was a bad fit, period, end of story. You could put a good player on the wrong team and it won't work. Go ask Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen, and those guys how that worked out. Sometimes a bad fit just won't work out. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. 
Today we're going to be talking about a person that I'm sure a lot of you know, but a lot of people don't really know much about. And that person, which is kind of like, sounds like an oxymoron, uh, but we're going to be talking about Bomani Jones, right? I'm sure a good majority of you have heard who that is. Um, he used to work at ESPN. At least that's what, I mean, he has a job at ESPN. At least that's why I saw him. Um, and he always kind of gave these interesting takes. He has a very unique way of speaking. He has a unique voice or whatever it is. And, um, you know, that's pretty much what he's been known for, at least from, from when I started knowing him. But over the last few months, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been hearing various media outlets talking about Bomani Jones. And some people out there have been saying that, you know, he's not really as good as, you know, he deserves to be. Some people like he's in that position. He's gotten promotions that a lot of people don't understand why that's the case. Although recently I was listening to Stephen A. Smith basically saying that Bomani Jones is talented. But anyway, I want to just give you guys a quick background on who he is. Bomani Jones is an American sports journalist who is currently employed by ESPN. He was the co-host of Highly Questionable with Dan Lebitard before leaving the show in June of 2017 and developed his own show, High Noon. He also is a regular panelist on Around the Horn, which is where I saw him. Uh, Jones also hosts the podcast, The Right Time with Bomani Jones for ESPN and his own podcast, uh, the evening Jones. He's also written for SB Nation, Salone, uh, page two at ESPN.com. Um, and his sister is an award-winning uh, novelist, Tayari Jones. I hope I got the name right. So that's Pamani Jones. Now, as you guys know, ESPN has been in the news over the last few weeks for a lot of their high-profile firings. If you guys know, if you guys remember carefully, they fired Jalen Rose who's a very, very big name that sent a, jock, uh, a shock uh, through the system. They also fired Max Kellerman, who had been with the network for God knows how long. He was part of the ESPN first day before he left there. I mean, after he left there, then he went on to go do his own show called This Just In. And he was on ESPN uh, more than radio. He had a show with Keyshawn, uh, Max Kellerman, and uh, Jay Williams. They had a morning show, which ultimately they canceled, right? So they got rid of some very, very high-profile names. But... Initially, when those reports came out, we also heard that there were more names that are going to the, uh, the ESPN is planning to let go in the future. ESPN a company, which is owned by Disney, which is trying to restructure, especially this particular division of their business, which is ESPN. As you guys know, we've even produced various shows where we talked about how Disney's now seeking strategic partnerships. We also heard them potentially wanting to partner uh, with some of the major leagues like the NFL, NBA uh, and, and uh, MLB. So. Uh, this afternoon, I was going, uh, going through the internet, and I went to frontofficesports.com, and I came across an article which which essentially said ESPN not expected to re renew Bamani Jones' contract, and I said, wow. So let me just get into this article here. It starts, off, um, it starts off essentially by saying ESPN does not plan to renew the contract of journalist Bamani Jones, front office sports has learned. His current contract with ESPN expires at the end of this month as a network uh, separately laid off 20 on-air personalities amid broad, uh, broader cost-cutting moves from parent company Disney. Last fall, Jones signed a contract extension with ESPN to host his three times per week podcast, The Right Time of Bamani Jones. His show is the second highest rated podcast among ESPN's 35 plus shows, but the network has not shown interest in renewing his contract. Jones spoke to FOS, in New York, before he made a speech at the Writers Guild of Americans Sports Solidarity Day held 
uh, on the picket line outside the CBS Broadcast Center. The, the economic fate of people in sports media is getting dicier and dicier by the day, Jones told FOS. I think the ESPN layoffs were the beginning of it in a lot of ways. Seeing what happened with New York Times shutting down their sports department and they moved these people over move these people to other desks, but at some point, they're probably going to deem those to be surplus and they're not going to be there anymore. Jones started writing for ESPN in 2004 and notably a co-host for ESPN TV shows, Highly Questionable with Dan Lebertard, High Noon with Pablo uh, Torre. He's also a panelist on Around the Horn and appeared on shows such as Sports Center First Taken Outside the Lines. His his HBO late night sports talk show Game Theory with Bamani Jones premiered in 2022, but was canceled after two uh, seasons. And uh, basically, the article then goes on to say a few other things. Um, streaming can only be Surely can only come uh, profitable if there are fewer players in the game. We just have so much stuff, uh, Jones said. There is money being made on streaming, and there is a lot of money being spent on streaming. That doesn't necessarily generate the returns that one would expect. Notable on-air personalities let go last month by ESPN include Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose, Max Kellerman, Susie Colbert, Keyshawn Johnson, Todd McShay, McShay and, um, and others. FOS reported that ESPN is not expected to renew the contract of NBA analyst Vince Carter. Disney is open to selling a stake of e in ESPN to a strategic partner with the NFL, MLB, and NBA discussed as potential suitors. And basically, um, the article then finished off saying, the idea of selling stakes to the leagues, I don't, un I don't even understand it, Jones said. Logically, I don't. I don't know why there's a winner for the leagues why that's a winner for the leagues. The leagues can't be the only people who'll be willing to buy such a stake. I don't understand how that works. And then he went on to say a few other things there. So yet again, another high profile, this in this case, is not a firing, but they're going to be letting him go, right? They're most likely not going to renew his contract. And to me, this once again proves that the sports media uh, landscape is quickly, quickly changing. Um, I think those days of, building or building your resume to go work in one of these companies. I think those days are slowly fading. I think now these companies are going to be recruiting talent that already have their things going. I was listening to uh, Anton Daniels and he made a good point about the music industry where he essentially said, listen, these music companies now, these record companies, record labels, they're no longer interested in building up a talent and then building a movement behind them. They don't, they're no longer interested in that. They're looking at people that have already generated a buzz for themselves. And then they're looking for how their machine can now help propel what they've, what they've already created to the next level. But if you think that, okay, I'm going to go to school, get all of this lane, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to come to ESPN and then no, 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 Now they're looking for, in a way, a short thing. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.